Hello, and welcome to episode two of Because You Asked. I'd like to thank Generationals for allowing us to use their song, Victim of Trap, which appears on their 2010 EP, Trust. So just as a reminder, if you didn't catch episode one, this podcast is about allowing current and former students to ask questions of me and have them answered in an AMA type podcast. Because they are minors, I've given each student the option of whether I want to use no name at all, their full name, first name, last initial, whatever it happens to be. So when I introduce questions, you may or may not hear names. Our first one is, what do you think about us going back into the school buildings? Well, I definitely have thoughts on this. And I do think that if it can be safely done, I'm all for it. And I'm betting that a lot of teachers feel that way as well. The problem is that it's really impossible right now to know all the facts. And many things are so up in the air from uh, mutating strains of COVID to effectiveness of vaccine for those new strains, um, knowing whether or not we can keep the physical environment sanitized enough to prevent the spread. Uh, can we keep people distanced all the time? Uh, what happens if we have a suspected case at school? What is quarantine going to look like? So all of those things go into deciding whether or not it's safe for students and teachers to go back. I do know that people all over the place at our school district, our administrators, not only in our district, but in others are working hard to try to figure these things out. But this is really kind of unprecedented for people that are alive right now. The last time we had a pandemic like this was over a hundred years ago. And we're still trying to figure everything out. And the people who are doing that really don't necessarily have always the best information to go on. So um, I'm hopeful, but I'm kind of just waiting to see right now. I've gotten this next question a couple of times from students. Why did you want to become a teacher? Well, unlike many teachers, it's not something that I always wanted to do. I was in the military for 10 years, and when I left, I got into IT, that's information technology, and I was a technical trainer, so I trained adults on a variety of things, and the last job I had before I got into education was as a sales engineer, and the money was good. Um, you know, it was a good job, but I just didn't feel like I was making any difference to anybody. I mean, you could have plugged someone else in my place, and everybody would have been just as happy. So I started really thinking about what I wanted to do because I knew I wanted to do something different. And I often thought of myself in 30 or 40 years and wondered how it would feel to look back on my life, whether I would feel like I had spent it wisely and made an impact in people's lives or uh, if I would have wasted it. And I didn't want to be an old man who just thought about what might have been and regretted the way I'd spent my time. And I also realized, I don't know if this just happened at once or if it happened gradually, but that I, I, I complained pretty much my whole life about what I saw as a lack of critical thinking in other people or consideration of, you know, what kind of impact they had on the world, uh, which 
you know, to be fair, was not always warranted. Um, but I realized that if I was just going to complain about it, then I was part of the problem and I needed to be part of the solution. My wife had already become a teacher maybe a couple years prior to this. And uh, so the stories she told me were intriguing. I loved the kind of things she had to say about interactions with kids. And she was just really happy doing what she did. So I decided to take a job as a paraeducator and what you might call a staff assistant. And it was the first job I'd ever had where I really just loved to come to work. You know, I, I didn't want to take a day off even when I wasn't feeling well. Because it got to the point where I felt like my students needed me and I needed them. And it was just joyful. It was something different every day. And their wins were my wins. Uh, so after not too long, I decided I really loved it. And I applied to teaching school <clears throat> and was accepted. And a couple of months later, I left that job so that I could go back to school and then become a teacher. And I haven't looked back since. Okay, this is from Brody. How do you respond if your kids have bad grades? This is kind of a loaded question, but I'm glad you asked. First, I think that when dealing with something like grades, you can't deal with it after the fact, meaning you can't wait until, you know, it's the end of the semester and you get your report card and your child's report card is not what you want it to be. You have to deal with all these things beforehand. Uh, you have to have an understanding with your kids, not only what you think a good report card looks like, but also why. Like, what is it about the grades that's important? So in my house, it's not really the letter. I mean, grades represent something. So I have a son that's in high school. I have a daughter that's in middle school. So for my son, the grades really are important for college. Okay. So he wants to get into good college. The, the one that he really has his heart set on, he needs to have a certain GPA. But aside from that, the grades are important because they represent the ability to use the skills that you're learning that will make you a successful adult, the kind of skills that I try to teach in my classes all the time. Now, as far as what we might call a bad report card. And again, that's going to look different in every house. I think that it's important to find the underlying problem. I've heard so many kids say, uh, I got my phone taken away or I'm not allowed on the Xbox or PlayStation or whatever as a result of grades. For me, I would only take those things away if they were the actual issue. So if my kids are spending so much time on their phone or on a console or something like that, that they're not doing their work and that's what's causing uh, grades that are below my expectations, then yes, I think it's reasonable to take that away until my child can show that they can balance school and entertainment. And once they do that, then I'm more than happy to let them have it back. But if it's something else, I don't believe in taking things away just to take them away. Um, if they're working hard and putting in the time and for one reason or another aren't just doing well, then my wife and I sit down with them when we figure out like, okay, what is the actual issue and what kind of support do you need from us? We spent many hours this semester um, helping with different projects and uh, pre prepping for quizzes and tests and things like that. And 
especially this year with online learning, it's really difficult for some kids. You know, not everybody has taken to this well. So I see it as my job to investigate and then provide necessary support. Okay, teachers can't always do it all. And it's unfortunate. Some kids don't have that kind of support at home. So, you know, they really do need it from the teachers. But I just don't think that that punishing is the answer. I think finding out what the problem is and then working to correct it is the answer. Okay, this next one is from Mackenzie Moore, who goes by Mac. And she asks, do you believe in ghosts and or UFOs? No, but I'm open to the ideas. I think it's really important to not shut off any ideas simply because you don't believe them now. So what I mean by that is I I try to live, when it comes to things like this, by what's called the Sagan standard. It was named after Carl Sagan, who said that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So the more outlandish your claim is, the stronger and kind of more prevalent your evidence needs to be to convince people. And people, from what I've seen, who tend to believe in ghosts and spirits and UFOs and little green guys and all that, uh, their evidence seems to me to be ambiguous, meaning it's it's not clear, uh, it's not necessarily attributable to what they're saying, and it often seems to be presented by people who have what I think is confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is just when you gather and interpret evidence in a way that confirms what you already believe. And especially when you ignore simpler and more reasonable alternatives as an explanation. But the thing is, belief is a difficult thing to give up. You know, if you really want to believe in ghosts or that you can you know, have a seance and talk to your great aunt Mary because you miss her so much, or uh, you just love the idea of being visited by aliens from another world. Sometimes we just can't give up the things that we want to believe. Now, as I said at the beginning of this, when I said I'm open to the ideas, um, if I were shown concrete evidence from multiple reputable sources, I'd be willing to at least entertain the existence of these things, but I have not seen that. So until I do, I choose not to believe. Addison A asks, if parents stopped giving kids punishment, would it provoke them to continue to rebel? Or do you think they would become more mature? I know every kid is different, but it's just a thought. Well, Addie, I don't believe in punishment in the way that I think you're saying it. Because oftentimes the things that I hear from students when they talk about punishment is it's punitive. It's almost like revenge, um, punishment without a purpose. It was kind of, it was like that for me growing up. I think my, my parents thought that if we just punish when they do something wrong, then they'll fix whatever the issue is and they'll straighten themselves out. That couldn't be further from the truth. Being punished never made me want to quote unquote behave or change whatever the problem is. And the reason is that everything we do, we, we do because it serves a purpose for us. So one of the things as a teacher I look at um, with behavior in the classroom is what is the function of it? Like, what is it doing for that child? Because there's always a reason. 
nobody comes to school to fail. Nobody comes to school to get in trouble, to get yelled at by teachers, to get, um, you know, written up or sent to the principal's office. It's just not the case. There's always a reason for it. So the behavior that you see or have seen in the past in classrooms, it's always for a reason. So my job as a teacher and as a parent is to talk to the kid, and I do this with adults too, and find out what is it actually that you want? Like, what are you getting out of this? Because if it's disrupting, let's say, I'll use classroom as an example since, you know, I'm a teacher and you're students. Makes sense to everybody. If it's disrupting class, you're doing it for a reason. And usually I know what that reason is, um, as long as I know the kid a little bit. But simply getting them in trouble doesn't fix the issue. You have to find out, like, what is it? And it's it could be so many things. It could be the home life that the kid has. It could be that maybe they have food insecurity and they just, maybe they don't get to eat breakfast that much or they were late today and they only eat at school but they didn't get breakfast and now it's making them a little crazy because teenagers need to eat and it's need to eat a lot usually. Um, and having a sugar crash or something can just make you do things that you wouldn't normally do. It could be that um, a pet just died or a family member that they love just found out they had cancer. I mean, there's there are tons of things that lead to this. So um, I, I tend to think that punishment is not only ineffective, but I think it's counterproductive, uh, at least as a teacher and as a parent. Um, punishing kids damages your relationship with them. And when they're in need and that that's what the the behavior is. It's, it's just saying like, I have a need and I'm trying to meet it because it's not being met elsewhere. Um, having that need is, is what I need to think about and what I need to get to the bottom of. And somebody said this a couple years ago, I think it might've been my wife. She always says really interesting and insightful things to say. Um, she said, you know, if, if a kid gets an answer like to a math problem, incorrect, you don't yell at them because they made a mistake you realize that like, oh, they have a misconception and I need to figure out what it is and help them fix it and turn it around. And it's the same thing we need to do with behavior. Uh, simply being punitive and yelling at kids is not only going to make them feel badly about themselves, but it makes them not want to come to school. And, um, you know, then sometimes it turns into behavior just to get out of class because they don't want to be there. So punishment, I think, not so useful. Okay, Amelia Fraser asks, so when do you think we will go back to school as in your personal opinion? Well, my personal opinion is I don't know. Um, I hoped we would be back by now. So currently it's uh, beginning of February. But it looks like it may be a while yet based on the, the case numbers that we're seeing right now. Um, they need to be below a certain threshold, and they're not even close to that. And as I said in one of the earlier answers, uh, I hope that we'll be able to do it just as long as it's done safely for everybody involved. I think that we will probably be back some point this year, but towards the end. I'm thinking like maybe May, May or June. Uh, I'd be super sad if I didn't get to see you guys in person. Um, that would be kind of a baby tragedy for me. Uh, so I'm hoping for sooner, but I'm expecting if we come back at all that it won't be until towards the end of the year.
Okay, next we have a question from Ryder, and that is, what is your family doing to stay healthy? Do you watch or play any sports, any pets or children, and what is your favorite food? So that's a whole bunch of stuff in one. Um, To stay healthy, my family and I are getting outside as often as possible. It's been raining a lot lately, so that's been more difficult, but we do take walks and hikes. Uh, My son and I have been hiking with some other people from his scout troop, staying distanced, uh, but we're getting ready for a trip to a scout ranch called Philmont in New Mexico in August. So we're doing the whole thing with like, you know, full packs and everything else. And I think uh, probably in a month or two when all of us have had, well, we're not all going to have had our vaccinations, but at least the adults, um, we're going to start doing some socially distanced backpacking trips. I hope. Um, As far as uh, watching or playing sports right now, my wife and I watch hockey NHL hockey. So I'm uh, Flyers are my team. San Jose Sharks are hers. Uh, it's unfortunate for my wife this week, but uh, this week, this year, because um, Sharks are not doing well, but the Flyers are doing pretty well. So that's exciting. And she watches with me. Uh, my son and daughter are both running cross country. So that's keeping them in good shape. Uh, I do have two pets and um, they're two dogs, each one dumber than the last. And uh, yeah, they don't get a lot of exercise outside either because one of them's old and the other one just really hates water. <laughs> so anytime it rains, she does not want to go out. As far as my favorite food, I don't really have a favorite food. These days, I tend to really like to eat things that my family makes themselves. So we've gotten into growing things to make our own food. Like I grew a lot of basil this summer and then made pesto out of it. Um, and I make my own barbecue sauce and tomato sauce and hot sauce. And my wife has been making bread. She makes this amazing focaccia. Uh, so it's nice to be able to like have a sandwich or eat a meal or something with that's completely contained stuff that you have made or grown. Um, one of my favorite things right now actually is also, um, I make uh, like a chili verde, and I also make carnitas and um, I'll take like street taco tortillas and we'll make like three different kinds. So I'll do like one carnitas, one uh, chili verde and another like a fish taco with like cabbage and like a like a sauce and stuff like that. Uh, so that's really enjoyable. Love Mexican food. Um, but I we love baking bread and making uh, sauces and desserts and stuff like that. So that's what we're into right now. So I think that's going to about wrap it up for time. I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, please consider following me on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on and turning on notifications. So you will get notified when I put out a new episode. Thanks very much. And I hope everybody stays safe. Take care.